question to anyone who is the top manager of the year so far is it Postacoglu or is it actually Sean Dyche because <laughs> there's a brilliant argument for Sean Dyche join in the obsession subscribe now at offtheball.com forward slash join the Koi Gig Pod on Off The Ball in association with Cadbury official snack partner of the Republic of Ireland women's national team Katie McCabe a huge huge goal very proud of the team's performance we're going to go out there to beat them we're going to try and beat them Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Koi Gig Podcast. Kathleen McNamee here to take you through all the action from the weekend in the Women's Super League. But uh, first of all, we just had the small matter of officially getting the new manager of the women's national team. Eileen Gleeson was unveiled yesterday as taking up the position permanently rather than just on an interim basis as she has for the last couple of months. And she spoke to the press today, so we'll go into a few of the things that she said uh, in the press conference, all very interesting in terms of the development of women's football and where she sees it going in this country. Lots of little nuggets that I was sitting there listening to being like, this sounds like Karen Duggan on an average Koi Gig podcast. So to look into it a little bit more, I'm of course joined by Karen Duggan and Emma Byrne. Karen, thoughts when you saw this yesterday? I mean, she had insisted for so long that it definitely wasn't happening. And then we obviously got the news that it had been happening since about October that they were negotiating her possibly taking on the role. Yeah, I was I was still a little bit surprised. I think the fact that it took so long to fill the role, I thought that it was very much going outside, uh, looking for a, a kind of almost like a marquee coach, given where we're at such a, a pivotal time of the development of the team. But I I think when it came down to it, the FAI were probably looking at the connection that that. Eileen has with the team. Um, I think that played a huge factor, uh, the connection she has with Irish football and just having some continuity and some kind of a stable environment for the team after kind of, even since Colin was there, there was a lot of ins and outs and he left unexpectedly and then Vera came and there was all the furore that went with that, that maybe they just see Eileen as Firstly, a very good manager, obviously, and, and what she can bring to the table, but also a, a really stable figure for the team um, so that they have a really good grounding to kick on and, and achieve what we know they kind of can achieve. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. Mark Canham was also at the press conference today. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, he's director of football with the FAI, and he would have been leading the process to hire whoever would be the eventual new manager of the team. And he was saying that they started out with something like 42 different candidates that they were looking at. And because of the fact that there isn't a massive, massively known network, I suppose, of women's coaches in the same way there is with the men's one, you know, you would have seen it with whenever Stephen Kenny left, automatically people were like, here's at least five people that it could be. Whereas there wasn't really that same thing whenever Vera left. And that they used, they outsourced to a different company to get um, data analytics, like to examine all these different candidates that that 42 people was whittled down to 12 then it went to seven then it went to two so it's kind of interesting actually hearing the ins and outs of how they did go about the process because it would be very easy to look at Eileen coming in and being like oh well she was there anyway so we'll, we'll, we'll take her on but it does seem like that they did put a a lot into it. Emma, you've obviously worked with Eileen over the last couple of weeks in terms of moving into, or last couple of months, I should say, in terms of like taking the team forward and into League A, what, what's she going to bring to the table? Um, 
Well, yeah, I, I definitely think that continuity she has, um, she's extremely intelligent and and well prepared for, for, for this role, to be honest. And she brings a lot of stuff, like blew my mind, a lot of the stuff that goes on, to be quite honest, like the sports science side of things and the periodization and, and all that kind of stuff combined. And um, I also think she's very, very clever at bringing a good team together. <laughs> Although we don't know what team she's going to have, like coaching staff wise. She well, I did warn her today. I was like, if she plans on taking any more of my podcast hosts, I want to call this time. So I'm expecting one from either of you, if it comes or from Eileen, <laughs> not abandoning no, I think you you're again. safe enough. I'm sure my kickstart one that I did when I was 17 is probably ret- <laughs> retired by now. Get that converted. <laughs> um, no, but she, I was like, do you know, it's so difficult to get a group of coaches or sports scientists or whatever it is together um, and have them work so well together. And that is something that I was in awe of Eileen a little bit because she's brought this huge group, by the way, of staff, like 20 odd people um, from physios to doctors to admin to operations brought them all together and everybody just got on so well so harmoniously like it was just incredible like that team of of people along with the players I mean who's more important really (laughs) that that team of people and the players you're talking about 40 sometimes 40 odd people that got on so well and worked so well together and drove standards and you know, that's what she's really good at, getting the, the right people in at the right time in the right places. And um, and then obviously her background in football, she's been coaching and managing for years. But um, yeah, it's just just really good how she organizes things, put things together. Um, and then the detail, the detail of, of preparing for a game as well is, has been an eye opener for me. Really excellent to see. Mm. it's interesting you say that about her ability to bring a team together because that's actually one of the things I talked about so if anyone wants to listen to her full press conference is for it's on free for view wherever you want on any off the ball channels and then I also had an exclusive one-to-one chat with her which you can access if you're a subscriber but as part of that conversation I asked her about when she was bringing together her team you know, in the new year, what was she going to look for? Because we talked a little bit about the fact she doesn't have a lot of international experience beyond the period that she's just had. So I was like, are you going to keep it quite local? Which like she obviously did with having you and Emma and also having Colin Healy in there. Or is she going to kind of try and supplement that with different people? And her answer was really interesting because she was like, it's Basically, it's about getting people that are going to gel together and can also do the job. And she's like, that doesn't necessarily dictate whether it comes from abroad or if it comes from someone within Ireland. She's like, obviously, different roles are going to require different things. But even just the fact that even at this stage, she's clearly still thinking about, you know, making sure that that team does gel together and work well together. And Karen, I see you were nodding along there, as I was saying, some of that just in terms of her international experience. Yeah, which I I think the fact that she's already talking about working as a team is important because, yes, Eileen has all the credentials. She's done all the work. She's been involved in football for 20, 30 years. But the the game has moved on and predominantly her experience in terms of management was in when the girls were 
amateur. Um, her professional experience was with Glasgow and obviously that didn't work out the best, but she knows that if she has a team around her, it can supplement all of the really positive things that she can bring to the table. But I do think the team is very, very important given that this is, we're asking the girls to step up every time we're saying the girls need to become more professional. The game is moving on. We just need to make sure that we keep up and Coaching is the same and, and a big part of that is not letting your ego get in the way and knowing where a staff member can can complement you and can drive on the team in certain ways that you can't. And I think that Eileen probably does have the self-awareness. I obviously haven't worked with her in terms of being on a coaching staff with her, but I do think she's always conscious to have good people around her. And even when we were first starting out with P-Mount, yes, Eileen was the main coach, but she had someone in who also really helps the team gel and bond and, and brought the crack and recognise the importance of that. So she, I think that that's something different to the two previous managers where they were very much like, I'm the boss, this is the way of things. And we feed off my views and, and my way of doing things where I think that going forward at Eileen, she's open to a more collaborative approach. And I think that will feed, that the team will will respect that as well, I think. Yeah, I definitely think so. And it seems to be from what Emma said that that was the way things were inside the camp. And I thought it was quite interesting yesterday, whenever the announcement was made, there seemed to be a general outpouring of support. There's a couple of questions into us and the podcast was it maybe in some ways short sighted. And I can understand why people feel like that, because it was obviously hiring from within and someone who was already there and you know, Karen, you even said it yourself with the amount of time that had passed. You were thinking, OK, is there someone bigger coming in here? Or is there something big happening, maybe? But I think, to be fair, having listened to what Emma has said so many times about having worked with Eileen, what you said about her in the past, Karen, and also just hearing the process that they went through, the FAI actually went through to get to this point it surprised me how thorough it was. Now, obviously, we didn't actually see the process, so they could be just saying it was as thorough. But it, it did seem like they put a lot of work and effort into making sure that right person comes. And one of the things I asked Mark Canham today was, it's great that you put all that into the coach, but are you now also going to put that into whoever becomes the director of women and girls football? Because that's really, really important to the continuation of football in this country and making sure it's supported at a grassroots level. And I know you said that, like, you know, the future is uncertain. You haven't heard anything. We obviously don't know what the background team is, but do you still have that hunger for international football? Um, yes, of course. More, more so than before, to be quite honest. Um, like when we, when I retired, I had fallen out of love a little bit with the game because of everything that we went through as players. And I know Carrie felt the same <laughs> and all we felt the same. We were extremely um stressed it was a stress <laughs> i think you can tell in the photo that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um and it was it was so stressful that i actually didn't even want to look at football i didn't want to hear about football i wanted to go into a cave for a couple of years and i pretty much did that to be quite honest um and having worked hard on my my coaching badges and my coach education in the past, it seemed like a bit of a waste. But 
slowly start getting back into it, like with the commentary and, and taking some coaching sessions here in Barcelona. And I just kind of started getting back into it. But it was really important for me to work with somebody that was supportive and honest and just a generally a good person to work with that was going to help me because there aren't there are some people in football that you really don't want to work with <laughs> and um it was important that I didn't go into that again so yeah it was um it was really refreshing and working with Eileen and all of the staff like we're I'm talking about from mm. the person to doctors to physios um, Eileen, Colin, Richie, fantastic people to work with. And it just made me want a little bit more. And I used to look forward to going into camp to seeing everybody. So it was really nice. It was a really good environment and really, really uh, professional, you know, really high standards and a lot of pressure on the, the coaches, to be quite honest, to perform. And that's the way it should be because they the girls deserve the best. And it is about the girls and about how that they can develop Um and it was just really good. So you're asking me if I have the goo for it. Yes, I've got the goo back for coaching. So I'm going for it. What else can I do? Give me something to do. Just make me do <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's a off the ball five aside team that would you could take for a couple of weeks if you want to fill in the gap until decisions are made in that front. Um, yeah. And like, I think it's interesting you saying about, you know, working with the team, really enjoying going in that seemed very palpable from the outside as well. You know, it was quite obvious. And I thought it was funny, the amount of people as well who said to me that they noticed you guys on the sideline and the way you interacted with each other whenever there was a break in play. You know, it wasn't just Eileen up chatting to the players. It was you pulling someone aside and giving them a little bit of help. It was Colin pulling someone aside, giving them a little bit of advice or, you know, something that you'd spotted that maybe they hadn't spotted on the pitch. And I thought it was interesting that it, I was obviously looking for stuff like that because I'm a journalist and that's what I'm supposed to do. But it was just average people that were noticing it as well and noticing that I say average as if like journalists makes me all high and mighty. I don't mean that. Fans is what I should say <laughs> before anyone starts getting annoyed in our comment section. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was interesting that people were picking up on that in general. Um, one of the other questions that we had in kind of regularly, and I think we've kind of talked about this before but it's like how much will we need to change our approach as we prepare for league a um i was having a look at the pots today when i was waiting to chat to eileen and i forgot just how interesting a draw we could possibly get for ourselves you know there's potential of facing you know it's like france england spain germany or something and then also maybe getting sweden in the same group which would not be a very fun experience, but Karen, we've talked about this a lot. I suppose the foundations feel like they're there, even if we admit that we won't be able to play exactly the way that we have been playing over the last couple of months. Yeah, I mean, Ligue is going to give us a good dose of reality um, about where we're at. I think the results in League B were important Again, just so that the girls could decompress after all of the stress of the World Cup and all of the expectation that that brought, um, and just get back to, to win in ways and, and something that again, kudos to, uh, Eileen and Emma and the team. They, they spoke about being given the confidence to go and play. And I think that that was nearly missing from us a bit. Like the, 
they were afraid to nearly make a mistake. So I don't mind us playing defensively as long as you still like allow the girls to to be themselves and, and have some ambition in that regard. And I think that the foundations defensively have always been there. We are not getting ahead of ourselves. We know that we will still probably still go with the, the five at the back and we'll bank up against these people. But I think playing like that and feeling a huge amount of pressure and playing like that and having the confidence to go and make a mistake are two very different things. Um, and yeah, the game is going to be very, very hard and, and Eileen's not going to change things massively. I'd imagine Emma will confirm that, but um, I think the girls just needed, needed what they were needed to show that they could go and score goals and they could have good passages of play. Um, and that breeds more confidence, even if you only get to do it two or three times in a game. They have the foundations of that as well as the defensive structure. Now. Yeah, and it's going to be a, a busy year. I mean, we already seen with this year that it was one of the, I think it was the most amount of games that the players have played in a single year. It doesn't look like next year is going to get any easier in terms of having, obviously, those Nations League games. There's talk about more club games coming into the fray as well. So... So rotation is going to be really important. Getting those younger players in is going to be really important. Um, the likes of your Jesus, the the cohort of P Mount ones <laughs> that are in the international setup at the moment. Um, and one of the things I said to Eileen when we didn't know she was going to become manager, and when we thought it was the last time that we would be speaking to her in that sort of basis was like, what was one of the things that you wish you'd had the chance to do more of? And she was like, for different situations such as that gloriously rainy night that we had to put up with and also the second and last game that we had in Tala where things were a little bit more difficult than we maybe expected she was like I would have loved to have got more players on the pitch and given players more opportunity when it comes to that like I suppose for people who aren't involved in it what what's the balance like in terms of making sure players are getting time but also making sure that they're getting the right people are getting on the pitch in terms of getting results. And then also, I suppose, just bringing people into camp and showing them what it's like to be in a camp, even if it's not actually getting on a pitch and just instead doing training sessions and learning off those more experienced players. Um, well, well, that was the whole idea. I mean, retrospectfully, they were friendly games, but glorified, of course, there was promotion and, and, you know, that was a big thing. But at the end of the day, it was a great opportunity to, to play new players, younger players. And, and Eileen always had that in mind that this is we're a very serious tournament, but it's a great opportunity to give players experience. Um, you know, the Euros are coming up and either way, if she was going to take over or not, she was always going to be a part of the the development of the team in some way or another. So she was always thinking that way. But I mean, it's like anything. If you go into a game and you're playing against, I don't know, in England and it's nil-nil, obviously you're not going to bring on a, a young player that's never played at that level. Or maybe you will if you, you think a lot of them. But it's, it's all about decision-making at the time. And I think... You know, I'd be more inclined to be a little bit, you know, are we going to bring these young players in now? Like, um, you know, let's stick with this player and go here and go there, whatever. But Eileen's been pushing for the young players and it worked out really well. And they've been so impressive. Like all the players that came in, so impressive and, and really 
gives you great encouragement for the future of women's football because you you spoke about having to condense games and it's crazy what uh, these players are have been asked to do this year and next year even more. I actually am, I'd worry for them to be quite honest, but. I think Ireland are at the stage where you can make changes and you can expect players to go in and do a very good job, which is, I don't think we've ever been at that stage. I don't think we've ever had a bench that you could change the whole bench and still go and push for results. Um, and that's no offence to anyone who's been there in the past. It's just the level that we're at at the minute and the level that we want to play against. Um, and there's loads of confidence. I mean, even the likes of Freya Healy come in, she's younger than my niece, which has made me feel so old, <laughs> but so good. She just fitted in. She looked like she was already at the standard. I'm like looking at her going, oh my God, she could actually play. No problem. She could start for us, to be quite honest. And I didn't want to tell her that because you don't want to slow her down. She's very, very grounded. I wonder if she's anyway. a listener to the podcast. <laughs> She's very, very grounded, but um, yeah, she's she's that good. So that's really positive. And now, you know, now that Eileen's the manager, she'd be looking at that and how to sustain that and how to develop that because that's where Eileen is um, extremely, extremely good at and, and monitoring the players. And she's got a really good system in there, like stuff that takes a very long time to do. And a lot of time taken up, like monitoring the players, every single player, imagine every single player across the country, across Europe, and um, takes a lot of time, but that's the commitment that, that she's going to give. And I think that's what the players appreciate most, to be honest. Definitely. And it's going to be very exciting, hopefully, to see what she does with this team and also where they go in terms of the European qualification campaign. It's going to be a lot tougher a journey than what we've had over the last couple of months. But I think we all deserve the break. We all deserve to just watch some goals go in, as I always say. Um, so yeah, that's Eileen Gleeson. She is the new head of the coach of the women's national team. Her contract runs until the end of the Euro 25 campaign, wherever that should be. Hopefully it is all the way to is it Switzerland, I think it's supposed to be in. Um, hopefully it's all the way there. And yeah, really interesting stuff. I would definitely recommend any of our listeners check out the press conference today in terms of what Mark Cannum sees the role as, what Eileen Gleeson sees the role as. Um, lots of talk about making sure it's a positive, inclusive environment, a focus on youth, that it's vision aligned with the rest of the FAI, that player pathways are developed all the way from under 15s through to the senior team. And also that it's a, a role that has a lot of feedback into the rest of the FAI as well. So just a few jobs for Eileen to look after there. Nothing too serious. But for now, we are going to turn our attention away from Ireland, which is sad. And we are going to go to our team of the week. And Emma Carroll is in studio with me. Emma, how are you? Good. Did Here for like what that? the people actually want. You know, oh, nobody yeah. came to listen to Emma and Karen talk about no, the Irish no. manager, obviously. It's the people want the team of the week and we shall give the people what they want. Um, okay, so I shall run through what we have as the team here. Oh, actually, no, sorry, Emma, you go do it. It's your team. I don't know why I would do that. I'm so used to you, you not being... Even have it. I know, so you weeks, haven't yeah. been here the last few weeks, so that's why. Uh, we've got... I'm going to mess up her name, I know I am. Uh, Fotokova? Fotokova? That's good. Uh, Malin, Bartrip, Fisk and Hines at the back. A midfield of Kelly, Cuthbert, Holland and Bizet. And up front, Shaw and Thomas. In fairness, I was about to do the team and then I saw Vodakova's name and I was like, no, I'm going to go for this one first. Um, Karen, thoughts, queries, opinions on this um, team? 
Yeah, well, again, a, a bit of a, a mix of people going into the fixtures that I wouldn't have expected to feature. I would have, you know, thought we'd get some Man United and Arsenal players, but alas, it was not to be. And yeah, the standout name for me is Votakova because it was her first WSL game. Am I correct in saying that? First WSL game faced, well, they nearly had 70% possession, Arsenal, 30 odd shots. And didn't look phased um, and was comfortable on the ball out from the back and you, you know that that fed its way through the team and I think she was a huge part of, of that result and her interview after was really lovely really refreshing and um, so yeah she was she's the standout standout player there and obviously Bunny Shaw is she's back she is back being Bunny Shaw and she, it is terrifying and I think City Again, it's almost like City wouldn't have wanted this break to come because they're building some consistency, I think. That is when they're on form is very, very hard to to play against. Yeah, I think did Courtney make Bunny mad because I was like, say <laughs> that one thing. Like, yes, and then like two, two minutes later, I was like, oh. Yeah, I feel like this trial race in general is just like if it's like three cars and one just kind of keeps nosing in front of the mm-hmm. other and every week you think it's going to be someone else. Um, what about you, Emma? Yeah, I mean, I think this is the first time that I would agree with every single player. Yeah. <laughs> very, yeah, very Do we have a klaxon or something <laughs> that we can put off? <laughs> I totally, totally agree with that. Obviously, I had to go to Botikova. Um, she made two really important saves, like as long the, as well as the possession. I think it was really important for her to to be brave. I mean, that goal came right from her to yeah. center, playing through the center against Arsenal, who absolutely destroyed Chelsea last week because of their because press. of their press. Yeah, it's like to you're play insane. Center like that. Yeah. Like literally eight yard pass when they're getting pressed. It's just ridiculous. Um, I thought she was excellent. And the two saves she made in the first half were just really, really good. Probably better than what a lot of people would think because, you know, she had, she couldn't see the ball. She had to take a step, loads of different things. She was really good. Um, yeah, Fisk, I thought was brilliant. Um, Bunny Shaw has just been incredible. Like she's just. Just so difficult. That game against Tottenham, that header she scored against Molly Bartrup. Molly Bartrup, why would you leave yourself in a 50-50 with putting shot? You just can't do it. You you either have to get in front, you have to sneak, you have to cheat, and you have to get in front of her because if you're left in a 50-50 with putting shot, you might as well just stop. Just just go, just go home. Uh, Bizet as well. I think mm. she's been really, really impressive this season, partic- considering Tottenham and what an absolute disaster they've had so far. I mean, if my team conceded 11 goals in two games, I'll just, I don't know where I find the energy to, to, to pick myself up, <laughs> especially playing against an Arsenal. Like their run of games was just incredible as well. United C, uh, then Arsenal, but, um, they were just brilliant, weren't they? Yeah, really. Yeah, really they... much agreement, Emma. Thank you. I'll take it. <laughs> Could have got more Liverpool players in there, probably. I'm kind of you know, surprised I... you didn't. I was expecting it to take over from your Irish bias this week. <laughs> it's like it is. Three in there. Um, yeah, Spurs and Liverpool had to rule the roost this weekend. Yeah, I think they're justified selections, to be fair. Was there anyone in particular that kind of stood out for you, Emma? Um, I thought Taylor Hines was really good, especially considering the nightmare she had in the 6-0 defeat in um, last season. 
Bonnie Shaw, yeah, she's just unstoppable, isn't she, this season? Um, and Kerry Holland as well. I think she's having an underrated, probably two seasons at Liverpool. Like, she was really good last season as well. Until well it she seems like one of those injury. people that's just always very consistent yeah. when she plays, but probably to the level where people don't pluck her out because she's... And do you know what? I was just about to say the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> I I really rate her, but I think she's too inconsistent to to like be on the radar if you know what I mean like there's some games that I look at her and I'm like she's so good she's like she's brilliant and then where is she she disappears or you know parts of the game she'll disappear so if she kept I think if she was consistent she'd be we'd be speaking about her like every week mm-hmm. yeah one player is kind of I have been really impressed with is Martha Thomas and every time I look at her and I look at what United's shortcomings are, I'm kind of like, do we make a bad move there? Mm. Because she can score. <laughs> and United have created a lot of chances at the beginning of that game, but just not clinical. And then Spurs got one chance back at the net. Just thinking. That's a tough one because <laughs> yeah. Marta Thomas, she just works extremely hard. Mm-hmm. Um, Actually, she played more on the right side with United, yeah. which mm-hmm. I thought maybe she might play there for Spurs as well because they've got Beth England, Bethany England, and especially that was their first game starting together in the WSL. No, they played, they started against United, didn't they? And so it was the second game. So I thought maybe who's going to play where? Who's going to drop deep? I thought Thomas might play right, but actually she was, they were so good. Both of them were very good centrally. Um, I don't know if she'd be United. United's answer. I mean, they're just. I know it's just because when obviously they lost Russo, you're taking out that central engine player who like initiated press and put teams under pressure, um, and could was a lot more clinical than than what we're seeing at the moment. But Mallard, I'm just thinking of that example where she got the ball, the keeper was out of the net, and she tried to she went at it with her her wrong foot. You're yeah, just kind of thinking. Yeah, actually, that's a player I thought you might have put in there. Hayley Ladd, again, I thought she was really good. You know, I thought she worked really hard in there. So she looks like a a new player. She makes us look There's a lot of pressure. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Emma, thank you very much for doing another Team of the Week. You get to have a little bit of a break now. No WSL until the 21st of January. So a month, just about. Refresh your eyes for when you have to watch multiple screens once again. But yeah, thank you as always for all your team of the weeks this year, both from this season and the previous season. They're always very much appreciated. And I know our listeners enjoy chatting about them as well. Um, So I'm just going to run through our team here again, just so everyone can remember what we had. So we had Vodakova and then we had Mailing, Bartrip, Fisk, Hines, Cuthbert, Holland, Kelly, Bizet, Shaw and so that is this week's team of the week and as a perfect segue we now can talk about the football that happened and I was like humming and hawing in my head I was like how do I do this because I was like Karen's not going to want to talk about United Emma's not going to want to talk about Arsenal I don't really want to talk about Arsenal either but we're going to have to talk about both of them one stage so I flipped a coin before we started <laughs> to decide. And Karen, you get to go first and talk about United. <laughs> uh, it was obviously yeah. Liverpool 2, United 1. First time that Liverpool have beaten them in the league. Um, 
I suppose it's a sign of where the two sides are this season, maybe, where Liverpool are on a bit more of an upward trajectory and United are either kind of flat or just kind of ping-ponging around. Yeah, I mean, that's it. They're a little bit flatter. And then last last year, you got a little bit more excited, I think, watching Man United than you this year. And I, it's almost filtering in, like, they started the game really positively. And then they do something that kind of basically miss an open goal. And then maybe the nerves start to kick in and they let the opposition team get a foothold in the game. And, like, they still had the lion's share of possession, but I can't really remember them causing Liverpool a huge amount of, of problems. Um, I thought Liverpool were, were well set up. I think that their backline this year is, is very good. Um, they've been pretty consistent, you know, less mistakes. We, we said last year Liverpool were, they were getting pressed in the middle and, and losing the ball in vulnerable areas and they've cut that out a little bit. So you have to praise Liverpool a lot. Um, I thought that Mark Skinner, I don't know if you saw his interview after, where he was brutally honest, like if you don't want to go and head a ball as, you know, a centre-back or a defendant from a corner, then you deserve to concede. And Man United looked like they closed their eyes the two times the ball came in the box where they conceded. It was a terrible goal, wasn't it? Shocking. And like... So bad. There's no, there's just not really any excuse for it. You know, people can have off days, but... You keep your eye, eyes open from set pieces, and that's like something I would do if a ball was flying yeah, at like, me. <laughs> I'm I'm not great at heading the ball defensively from set piece, but I'll at least hang on to my player and try and push her away from the goal. But it was just way too easy, and I just, there's no excuse for that. No matter how bad you're playing, like you can do the basics. I think they've too many passengers this season. Yeah. Like just speaking on, um, you know, United, they they did hit the post, like. Sometimes it is a bit of bad luck, but the fact that there's a whole season in general, I think they're carrying players that that either aren't really good enough or just not good enough at the moment for whatever reason that is. Um, and I think if you're going to bring in a player like Jason, who I who I rate, I think I thought was a really good signing. She's not the player you can put on the bench and then bring on. She's not that type of player. She's a confident player. You know, you have to assure she's going to play a player in the right position. I'm still waiting to see her play on the right side. I I still yeah, and I think Nikita Paris could be an impact sub. I think more so than Jay Z. Absolutely, you know, that would be a straight swap for me. Yeah, I understand he wants to give Nikita a chance, and I do rate Nikita as well, but. You can have the same value being on the bench and being able to come on and create some as someone who starts. And that's how football is now. Um, but in, in general, I just think, you know, I think Letizia is not having a great season. I don't think Riviere is having a great season. You know, we spoke about the midfield. I think Hayley Ladd's come in and I think she absolutely should be starting. And I was one of the ones that to say you need to, to sign one, if not two new midfielders. Um, and I just, I don't think Galton has reached the heights that she did last season either, in terms of how clinical she was. In, yeah, in, just you know, I, I get that as well, and it is all about service and stuff. And you know, it can be can breathe that content through the team. Like you look at United, it could be the last minute they score. I don't feel like that anymore. Like if they're a goal down and it's going into the eighty fifth minute last season, I would have been like, they're going to score. They're going mm-hmm. to probably score two. But now I'm like, mm, I don't feel it because I don't feel like they feel it either. No, um, it's you're literally waiting for Rachel Williams to come on and kind of just 
somehow get across and, and a header and it can't be dependent on no. someone like that. And also, when you bring Rachel Williams on, why is she playing deep? I don't really understand. No, that. get her in the box. Yeah, I don't mean to say that's like put Louise Quinn up for yeah. the last five minutes, get the balls in the box. Why would she be coming into midfield? Um but yeah, there's there's a couple of things going wrong there. And actually I think it's you know, it's so so easy to say, but it could all drift away from them at the second period. I mean, if if they do lose Miriams, I think is that just another statement that this team isn't competing? Well, it's like the top teams. Like what we said last week, if when they lose Marriott, they have to make big, big signings to be considered one of the top, top clubs again. Um, But you have to give credit to Liverpool. Absolutely. I I love watching them play as well. I just, you never know what you're going to get for them. They've got really (laughs) exciting players. I thought Melissa Lawley, actually, that was one of my players I meant was supposed to say to Emma maybe I would have thought about her because I thought she was absolutely excellent and she's made a big difference having come back from injury so I think they're brilliant I love watching them I think Fisk has been a great signing for them Bonner what I was cringing at that injury oh, you know that's she, awful. that was that was a horrific, horrific horrific injury and I don't know why she was walking off the pitch get her on a stretcher because I was just expecting her to collapse, to be quite honest. That was a mm. nasty cut. And if you look back at it, it actually looked like she went into a little bit of a fit or something mm. when her arms stretched out. And I was just like, oh, my God. Um, but, yeah, you definitely don't want to collide with Rachel Williams. That's no. true. So brave, really brave upon her. Um, yeah, and I thought, you know, that in general, they had a great, great game. And it is down to, to Matthew Beard. He just has a way of galvanising his team and getting his team to perform at the best they can. And people were talking about him getting the sack at the start of the season. Um, well, not at the start because they beat Arsenal, but yeah. <laughs> when they got beaten um, heavily in, in their second game or third game. But um, yeah, I thought it was, a good, it was a decent game. And I actually thought United were going to go in and going to win easily because how they started. But then again, as you said, they allow teams to come back into it and then mentally drop off, physically and mentally drop off. So they're going to have to try and sort that out. We, when I first asked the question to Karen about like Liverpool kind of being on that upward and United being a little bit flat, does this Liverpool team as it is have the capacity to do something like United did last season and kind of get themselves into those Champions League spots or are they still just missing something crucial to kind of give them the spark and push them up that little bit or maybe the other teams are just a bit good. I mean, we saw City start to their season last year was kind of the thing that did them down in the end. Top three, no. I don't think so, no. That top three is is sewn up, I think, already. No, that's fair. I did think that, but I was like, I'm going to throw it out there and just see if there's any uh, interesting thoughts. Okay, we will move away from Karen's pain and instead we will move on to myself and Emma's. um, Obviously... A tragic day for the North London Derby. Well, not if you're a Spurs fan, but uh, Tottenham won Arsenal nil. First time ever that they have beaten them in the North London Derby. And that was obviously after the 3-3 draw during the week um, in the Cup where Arsenal won eventually on penalties. It could have been a lot worse if that uh, last shot had managed to go in. I was literally watching it and I was like, I don't I don't want it to go in, but I was almost screaming in my head like, shoot, just Take the shot. Do it. You can do it. Uh, didn't do it. 
Yeah, I mean, it's just, I, I made a comment and I was told I was being anti-Spurs, but I wasn't, I wasn't being anti-Spurs at all. I was, I just said Arsenal lost the game because for me, they were in control. They had better, they were in better areas in the pitch and just their final decisions in the box the final ball, that bit of class in the area, the difference between them and a a Barca, for example, is they know how to play the ball in and around the area. They're not, well, they are greedy, but they score normally. (laughs) But, you know, Arsenal need to to get better at that. They need to get Mm -hmm. better at exploiting those situations and realising when to pull the ball back to somebody, when to pass it, when to keep it, when to get the extra pass in. And I just thought... This is a team that looked like they've been told to score as many goals as possible. It is imperative that we score a lot of goals here today. Frantic as opposed to being composed at times here. They look like they were snatching and yeah, as you say, frantic. And I was just going, what, what's going on here? The important thing is the three points. And once you score one, then you can start going, okay, we want more, but it looked, it, it hurt. It did hurt to be quite honest. And, I give a lot of credit to Spurs. I thought they were excellent. And as I said, they conceded 11 goals in their previous two games. Um, they're a team that you would want to play if you're looking for goals. Yeah. Um, and they were just brilliant. They were just so solid. They, they were very brave in defense. They were so brave playing out. And I, at some stages in that first half, I was a bit kamikaze, isn't it? Why are they doing this? Like, um, but I would look at Arsenal and I stand by that and I would say that they lost the game because of poor decisions, because of poor pressing in certain areas. Um, yeah, you're right. Their execution was like they, they dominated possession, they dominated the amount of shots, but 31 shots, eight were on target. So that's not a great return. So like you say, they were snatching, they were taking the wrong option at times. Um so yeah, I'd I'd agree with that. I don't think that's anti-Spurs. I mean, giving credit to Spurs because they came from two heavy defeats and we expected them. Yeah. We expected Arsenal to have a bounce after the Chelsea win. Expected that to be the standard that they set for themselves in every game going forward if they're going to finally topple Chelsea. And they didn't produce it this week. Well, well this is what I was most disappointed with. Like... I know what it's like at that club. I know what the standards are. I know it's in every single thing you do. Well, what it was mm-hmm. like in every single thing you do is extremely high standard and how you present yourself at the club. Everything is just extremely high. Like, and the fact is finally here is the team that looked like they could go and be any team in this league and challenge Champions League. Like, let's kick on from here. This is it. We're here. We're there. We've made it. Um, and for that, us as players, if we were, you know, back in the day, if we'd have had a performance like that, that's it. We're playing like that for the rest mm-hmm. of the season. We're kicking on and we're going to turn a screw and nobody's going to come near us. And so much so that we can actually take the mick a little bit the last couple of games. Just shocked. I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, they look like a team that in the first 10 minutes when it wasn't, you know, when they hadn't scored two goals, they started panicking. And that's not Arsenal, I don't think. Didn't Do look like Arsenal. Would, like, in terms of them looking like they were panicking and not looking like an Arsenal team, do you know? Do you put that down to having already played Spurs during the week, the heights of the Chelsea game the week before? Like, oh, these really? are sort of the games that Arsenal are generally 
well able to get up for? I mean, I said I was doing the 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 show on Saturday, and I said Kim Little, and Karen Kearney is like, well, they've got enough players; they don't need Kim Little. But I'm not just talking about Kim as in her her level of play. I'm talking about as a leader on the pitch, as somebody that calms things down. Like Kimmy dictates the tempo. Like she dictates. And there were some times where they needed to slow it down a bit, keep the ball, switch the ball, etc. Um, and I think she is the player that does that. And she is the leader. And there was nobody on the pitch to say, wait a minute, why don't you try and pass the ball instead of taking a shot next time? Or I didn't see much demand there. You know, if I'm in a good position, why are you not giving me the ball? Like, why not? You, you tried to score there. Nobody, like I would have been taking people's heads off. I know that's not always the answer, but like if I'm free in a better position and you've skied over the bar, I'm going to let you know about it. And I didn't really see much of that. And I think that's where Kimmy might come in. She might not be like vocal like that, but she definitely would come in and dictate the play a little bit more. Mm. I mean, you mentioned there about the fact you were doing the comms at the weekend or the show. And one of the questions we have in is from Laura Brady on Twitter. And she was asking, will Miedema stay at Arsenal? Emma's comments on Sky on the weekend have set off panic attacks. <laughs> here, here it goes again. <laughs> <laughs> I, think- I do not know if she's going to stay or not. But I will say, and this is me just guessing before anybody thinks I'm a witch or anything. Um, I don't think, I think she would be looking to leave. I think she was looking to leave last season and it just didn't happen. So you're not, I don't think she's the type of person to change her mind about something like that. Um, I, I don't know where. I knew where last season, but I don't know where this season <laughs> Um, but I don't think, I think she will move on. I, I do think that. Mm. Very interesting one to see if she does, um, if anyone is looking the latest or the newest episode of their, her and Beth Mead's documentary series that they've done about recovering from their ACL injuries. That's now up on Arsenal and is well worth a watch because it's a topic we talk about quite a lot. I'm conscious that we don't have a lot of time because we spent a lot of time on Eileen Gleeson earlier on with that being the big breaking news of the week especially for all our Irish fans but just to run you through the rest of the scores we had Man City thrashing Everton 4-1 I mean there was a good moment for Irish fans in there where Courtney Brosnan did save a goal from Bunny Shaw or a penalty from Benny Shaw but then of course she went on to score three more so it wasn't all that great in the long run uh, Chelsea 3 Bristol City nil. then we had Leicester and West Ham drawing and then Aston Villa beaten Brighton 1-0. A lot of red cards this week at the WSL. There was a total of three and I think I saw this is like on the BBC or something some stat that there's like a, been a 600% increase in like the number of cards given out for dissent and different things like that. So kind of interesting the context of things. Is there anything in any of the rest of those games that you guys would like to point out or any performances in particular, Irish or otherwise I will accept all types um, that you want to hit on this week? Well, I just want to talk about cards. Mm-hmm. Um, Chelsea, Arsenal last or Arsenal, Chelsea last week, four one to Arsenal, and Chelsea only received one yellow card. So I'm saying there should be more. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there should be more, not fewer. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, I think I just I have the stats up here. So there has been a six hundred percent increase in cards for descent compared to last season. So four to twenty four, while cautions from for time wasting have increased from eight to twenty eight. So both of those are like quite high compared to previous seasons. But we do know that like Pig Mole and Harvard Webb have said that this is something that they are determined that they are going to do a bit more. The total number of yellow cards has increased from 124 in both of the two last seasons to 172 this campaign. Um, so yeah, there's been a, a lot of them. I suppose the most controversial one is probably the Alex Greenwood one for time waste in, earlier in the season. That was one I couldn't really get behind all that much. But I haven't noticed it. I don't think I haven't felt like it's affected my watching of the game so far, apart from an odd decision. But like, you're always going to get those as well. No, I don't think so. I think I think the refereeing has been okay. Mm. Um, but yeah, like you said, the Alex Green one, that that Greenwood one, I, I wouldn't say anything else was controversial. To be honest, yeah. There's been a couple that maybe should have been given, but who cares? <laughs> it's fine. Everything is fine. Okay, well, thank you both very, very much for joining me. It has been a pleasure as always, and it's always great to have a bit of breaking news to deal with on one of these. Um, the Koi Greg Pod on Off the Ball is sponsored by Cabri, official snack partner to the Republic of Ireland women's national team. We will be on a slight break pending something absolutely catastrophically massive happening with no WSL again until the 21st of January but if you miss us you can get us on at the Koi Gig Pod and we will still be tweeting away different bits and pieces about players if there's any interesting transfers coming up if Emma's mystic ball when it comes to player transfers actually turns out to be real um, but for now thank you so much for listening for the this year it has been a sensational year for the national side making that first ever World Cup tournament and it's been a pleasure to be able to discuss it with you all and to bring you this podcast every week so thank you for listening have a lovely Christmas and a very happy new year the Koi Gig Pod on Off the Ball in association with Cadbury, official snack partner of the Republic of Ireland women's national team.